Thanks for listening to the Revival Today podcast with evangelist Jonathan Shuttlesworth. To stay connected, check us out on Instagram, Facebook, or online at revivaltoday.com. Now, here's evangelist Jonathan. Today we're going to do 12 great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. And I know this is going to be something that blesses you. I'm glad you took time to join me today. Tomorrow is an extremely special day. We're changing the times up slightly in the evening. We have a promo for that, and I want you to watch it and make plans to be with me. My dad's oldest brother, my uncle, uh, evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr., that's been in the ministry, heading up on 50 years now, is going to join me at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. to uh, show me what the Lord has put in His Spirit for what's going to happen the rest of this year. I'm excited to hear it. You know, you can do a lot in life. The Bible says, believe in the word, in the word of the Lord, so shall you be established. Believe in his prophets, so shall you prosper. And my uncle is a prophet. He goes by evangelist, but he's a, he's a prophet. And um, he's got great things to say. Of course, he sent out a letter last October about a great shaking coming upon America in the beginning of the year, but now he's going to share what the Lord showed him about the, the last half of the year. So here's the promo, and I'll be back with you on the other side. We have a very special guest joining us in the Revival Today studio, Thursday, August 6th, starting at 11 a.m. and 11 p.m. Join Evangelist Ted Shuttlesworth Sr. live in the studio with Evangelist Jonathan. As the word comes forth under the anointing, I tell you the Holy Ghost is on that word like a hound dog on a rabbit. Are you hearing me? He gets on it and he stays on it and he works it out. And the way you started out is not the way you're going to finish. The way you have been begun is not your final destiny. No man can rob you of your future. We hear leaders say, well, we've got to give up our future for the next generations or the generation after. That's a lie from hell. God never stopped fulfilling destiny. It's going to be amazing. Don't miss it. Available live on all of our streaming platforms. We'll see you there. So, I hope you'll be with me, and if you've not uh, got it yet, RevivalToday.tv is the place to watch. I want to start doing an extra segment on RevivalToday.tv um, to reward people that have subscribed to the app. It's free, and you can get the app, Revival Today, where, wherever you're at. Get that, because Facebook and YouTube are tightening down. I'm sure if I had more followers, I'd already be off of it. So, uh, as the election gets closer, they're going to kick more people off, and just in case they put me on that on that list, please get over to Revival Today as uh, quickly as you can. You can comment there now, and um, love to have you. Revival Today is the app, or you can go on your web browser to revivaltoday.tv. Today is 12 victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Numbers chapter 13, verse 25. Numbers 13, 25. The Bible says, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned. To Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit that they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But the people living there are powerful, and their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. 
The Amalekites live in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live among, along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. But Caleb tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once and take the land, he said. We can certainly conquer it. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We are unable to go against them. They are stronger than we are. So they spread this evil report of unbelief about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers, and that's what they thought too. And so if you read the first part of Numbers chapter 13, those spies were not sent to see whether they could take the land. Those spies were sent into the land to give a report about the soil, what the terrain's like, who lives there, but God had already told them that he had given them that land. I grew up in a church where they had outgrown their building. They, they, uh, the pastor knew it was time to get a bigger building, but he put it up before the board. And man, from the time I was a little kid till I was a teenager, they debated and had meetings and had uh, uh, business meetings in front of the congregation. You know, that church never moved, and they're about half the size today that they are back then. When the Lord gives you something, you don't put it up to a vote. That's not leadership. There's nothing wrong. The Bible says there's safety in the multitude of counselors. In the multitude of counselors, there's wisdom and there's safety. And so there's nothing wrong with getting advice about how to best go about something. But when the Lord tells you to do something, that something belongs to you, you don't put it up to a vote or human reasoning. And that was the mistake uh, that was made here. Because those 12 spies now thought it was up to them, their decision whether they should go in or not. Chapter 14, then the whole community began weeping aloud, and they cried all night. Their voices rose in a great chorus of protest against Moses and Aaron. If only we had died in Egypt or even here in the wilderness, they, they complained. Why is the Lord taking us to this country only to have us die in battle? Our wives and our little ones will be carried off as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to return to Egypt? Then they plotted among themselves, let's choose a new leader and go back to Egypt. So here's where you get the spirit that's behind church splits. When you don't lead in what God's given you to do, then other factions develop. That's what happened during the COVID lockdown. You have some churches that are in serious trouble right now because they ignored what was going on with COVID. They never gave any direction to the church about when they were going to open up, how they were going to open up. So groups began to form. One group that says, if you open up and put our lives at risk, I'm leaving the church. Another group that says, if you don't open the church right now, I'm leaving the church. We should be in church every Sunday. Leaders have to lead. If you, if you don't lead, factions develop and you can lose there was a church somebody close to me grew up in. That, that pastor would grow. He was a good preacher. The church would grow to about 400 people. And then one of his strong staff members would split it or the worship leader. And by the way, a church split. If you are on staff at a church and you, quote, feel a burden to go start a church within six miles, 10 miles of where that church is at, unless you're in a highly populated area uh, like, like Manhattan Los Angeles, that'd be about it, where six miles or ten miles is, is another country, where people don't venture more than a mile or two from their home because of the traffic. 
That's a church split. You know, nobody ever sets off and says, I'm going to split a church. What they do is they have these creative, you know, they'll leave for a little bit and then come back in two years to the same exact place they were on staff. And I'm going to tell you, there's a curse for doing that. When God gives a city to a person and says, I want you to start a church there. And then the Lord, oh, Pittsburgh's back. Then the Lord um, knits you as staff to help someone there. And then you go and take people, whether you meant to or not. It doesn't matter if you say, we don't really want anyone from that church. If you stay in the same area, that's a split. And it carries a curse. And churches like that take it from somebody whose grandfather pastored for 62 years, whose uncles and father have been in the ministry for 40 plus years. I've been around the ministry my whole life. People that do that, their ministries never grow. Those churches never become, I have never seen a church split become a great church. I've never seen somebody branch off of a church in the same town, you know, and you can see them. I drive by churches and can tell just by what they name the church that it's a church split. True revival ministries. You know, um, there's one church in the city called Life Church. And then there's another church in the city called New Life Church. You know, in a few years, there'll be another one called Newer Life Church. Then another one, Newest Life Church. So that's what happened here, a leadership split. No, we shouldn't do what God called us to do. I've never understood, you know, and I'm, I'm getting off subject. If I'm going to get through these 12 things, I'm, I'm going to have to get uh, focused pretty quick. But, you know, when the, Lord rate, when the Lord gives you something to do and gives you a destiny, automatically the devil anoints people to discourage your dream. That's what happened here. Ten spies that not only, they didn't say, well, in my opinion, we're not making the right move. They were passionate about spreading what the Bible calls an evil report of unbelief. They made everybody cry. Then they plotted, let's choose a new leader. And what did they want to do? They wanted to go back into slavery in Egypt. Slavery, best case scenario, most likely they would kill them. Moses and Aaron fell face down on the ground before the whole community of Israel. Two of the men who had explored the land, Joshua son of Nun and Caleb son of Jephunneh, tore their clothing. They said to all the people of Israel, the land we traveled through and explored is a wonderful land. If the Lord is with us, he will bring us safely into the land and give it to us. It is a land flowing with milk and honey. Don't rebel against the Lord and don't be afraid of the people of the land. They're only helpless prey to us. They have no protection, but the Lord is with us. Don't be afraid of them. But the whole community began to talk about stoning Joshua and Caleb. Then the glorious presence, so that, that's the reward you get for telling people as a minister, no, you can do it. There's greatness on the inside of you. Don't worry about your enemies. The Lord will take care of them. What was their reaction? Let's kill this guy. You look up any faith preacher on YouTube, and there's exposés on him from former staff, and we, we don't like him. You know, people resist faith. They resist. <laughs> if you decide to be the first one in your family to start rising up, your own family, what the, who do you, wow, you really think you're somebody special now. But you, you can't let that discourage you. You stay in faith and you keep speaking faith because there's a reward on the other side when you leave this life. The Lord said to Moses, how long will these people treat me with contempt? Will they never believe me even after all the miraculous signs I've done among them? I will disown them and destroy them with a plague. Then I will make you into a nation mightier 
than they are. So God takes wicked words of unbelief as an insult against him. When he tells you by his word that you can have something great and you you instead decide to say, no, I can't, I don't think that's right. God said, how long am I going to have to put up with these evil people that speak against what I said? The Bible says in verse 26, Numbers 14, 26, then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long must I put up with this wicked community? They weren't committing adultery. What was their wickedness? Their wickedness. God counts it as wickedness to speak against his word, to speak against healing, to speak against blessing, to speak against financial prosperity, to speak against victory. God calls that wickedness. The sin of the the world is their unbelief in me. Anything that's not of faith, the Bible says, is sin. How long must I put up with this wicked community and its complaints about me? Yes, I've heard the complaints the Israelites are are making against me. Now tell them this, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you the very things I heard you say. The King James says, I will do to you the things you said in my hearing. So what was the punishment of, of the 10 spies? They got what they said. We dealt with that on the last broadcast. You get what you say in life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. So what did they say? If we try to go in the land, the earth will devour us. Uh, And they went on. We'll be eaten alive by animals in the wilderness. We'll starve to death. God said, okay, I'm writing down everything you're saying. And you can have what you say. But it doesn't end there. Verse 29. uh, Or verse 30. You will not enter and occupy the land I swore to give you. The only exceptions will be... Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Why? Because Joshua and Caleb said, we are able to go and do it. So both groups got what they said. God had a promised land for everybody. One group said, we can't do it. They they were right. The other group, Joshua and Caleb said, we are able because the Lord is with us. And God said, I'm I'm irritated, but I'm going to spare two families because their words agreed with what I said. Verse 36, the 10 men Moses sent to explore the land, the ones who incited rebellion against the Lord with their bad report, were struck dead with a plague before the Lord. Of the 12 who had explored the land, only Joshua and Caleb remained alive. The 10 evil spies were dead within a chapter. And I'm gonna, we're going to study today 12 victory secrets from the life of one of those spies who in the face of all those people rebelling against God said, no, if the Lord is with us, we are able to do what he said. Turn to Joshua chapter 1. Joshua 1 verse 2. Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I'm giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land that I've given to you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites, no one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses. I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. You can fail God. You can abandon God. But God will never fail you. And God will never abandon you. 
Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you whithersoever thou goest. What a powerful scripture. Twelve victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Because A, Joshua lived a life of victory. B, steps are repeatable. God said, uh, the Bible says in Acts 10.34, I see very clearly God is no respecter of persons. God doesn't have favorites. If you take the steps that somebody in the word of God took, you will get the same thing that they got. That's why when Joshua was writing that down, what God was telling him, God didn't say, hey, don't write that down. That's a private agreement between you and I. No, God said, what I say to one, I say to all. No scripture is of private interpretation. What I say to one, I say to all. So you can repeat. That's why God has these people in the Bible. They were common men like me, common men like you, common women like you. But they they knew secrets from God. And if you apply those secrets that are discoverable in God's word, then you live a life of victory like they did. So let's explore them. Twelve great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Number one. Joshua knew the value of God's word. Keep this book before you. Meditate on it day and night. You think of it. God appeared to Joshua just to tell him, keep this book before you. Never let it depart from your mouth. Only then will you be successful. This book, now Joshua knew the secret was the word of God. Solomon said the secret's the word of God in Proverbs, that this word is something that will give life to your flesh and radiant health to your bones. David, a man after God's own heart, said your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And I want to add something to it. Not only did Joshua know the value of God's word, Joshua saw this as a book of instruction. Secret number one, you must see the Bible as a book of instruction. It's not just a book of of promises. It's actually, there's not going to find many promises that God made in here where he said, I'm just going to do this uh, no matter what, whether you rebel or not. No. God said, if you do this, then I'll do this. Follow this book of instruction. See the Bible as a book of instruction, as a book that gives you Uh, commands to do from God that carry a reward on the other side and then order your life accordingly. Number one, Joshua placed a high value on the word of God and he saw it as a book of instruction. You must see the word of God as a book of instruction, not a nice storybook, not a book of encouragement. See it as a book of instruction. Number two, turn to Joshua 5.14. 12 great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Joshua 5.14. We'll start at verse 13. When Joshua was near the town of Jericho, he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a sword in his hand. 
Joshua went up to him and demanded, are you friend or foe? Neither one, he replied. I'm the commander of the Lord's army. At this, Joshua fell with his face to the ground in reverence. I'm at your command, Joshua said. What do you want your servant to do? The commander of the Lord's army replied, take off your sandals for the place you're standing is holy. And Joshua did as he was told. Number two, Joshua spent time, not just in God's word, Joshua spent time in God's presence. I've met people that know the word of God, but you don't feel any anointing on them. But man, what a powerful combination when you learn and discipline your life to spend time, not just in God's word, but in God's presence. People that spend time only in God's presence and avoid his word end up goofy. People that spend time only in God's word, but they have no place for the Holy Ghost or the presence of God, they end up dry. But when you combine those two, it combines for an explosive life. I want to see if, if Dake has a note on who the captain of the Lord's army was. This man, who now that guy that said he's the captain of the Lord's army, Dake said, this man proved to be the God of heaven, one of the persons of the divine trinity who was personally leading Israel from Egypt. He now revealed himself as a man so that from all outward appearance, Joshua thought he was a man. He stood like a man, looked like a man, held a sword like a man, spoke with an audible voice like a man, and Joshua approached him like a man. Five proofs he was God and not man. He claimed to be the captain of the host of the Lord. This was an identifying mark to Joshua that he was God, for God was the captain of Israel. He had promised to go before them and lead them into Canaan, and this he had been doing for 40 years. Number two, Joshua worshipped him, and such reverence belongs only to divine beings. If he had been only a messenger of God, he would not have permitted Joshua to worship him. Revelation 19, 9 and 10, Revelation 22, 8 through 10. Number three, Joshua called him Lord, Adonai, sovereign Lord, master, and owner. Number four, Joshua recognized himself as his servant. Number five, the same thing was said to Joshua that was said to Moses, and only God could make such a demand. So that was Joshua spending time with Jesus. Christ making an Old Testament appearance. Jesus was born of a virgin, Mary, into a human body, but he, he wasn't dead before that or non-existent. He always was, always is, always will be. Number two, Joshua spent time in God's presence. That is an invaluable secret to life. Make time for the anointing. Make time to spend time in God's presence. It makes for a different life. Number three, Joshua valued and honored mentorship. Before Joshua became the number one in charge, he spent time serving under Moses, God's great leader. And in serving time under Moses, God's great leader, it turned him in to a great leader. The Bible says in Proverbs 13, I believe it's 22. Let me check to be sure. Proverbs 13. Uh, 20. Those that walk with the wise will become wise themselves, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. I read a study about two or three years ago that the average person makes within 7% of their, 
of the money of their three closest friends. Who you hang around is who you become. So you can hang around stupid people. You can hang around unfruitful people. You know, if you're a pastor with a small church and all your friends are pastors with small church and you get together and say, uh, talk badly about Joel Osteen or anybody, the guy that has the largest church in your city, you say, well, you know, they have a large church because they're seeker sensitive. They don't really preach the power of God. You know, they don't lay hands. And you see yourself as better than them. You never learn from great people. You'll never be great. If you have no friends, you won't amount to much. You have to have people that are close to you in your life who have already done the thing that you're trying to do. You have to value mentorship. You say, well, I don't have anyone like that. Ask the Lord, and the Lord will hook it up. That's what he did for me when I asked. But your life will be incomplete without a mentor. If you get off on your own, and many ministers are, are the chief of this, you know, well, I'm, I'm the only one in this area that preaches the full gospel and that, you know, all the churches here, they don't... Yeah, if you see yourself like that, like you're the best, Nobody's doing it like you. You're never going to do much in life. You have to search out people. I'll never forget the story that Lester Summerall told when he met Billy Graham. He went to meet Billy Graham and he got ready to introduce himself. And Billy Graham stood up and said, you're Dr. Lester Summerall. He said, how do you know me? He said, I've made it my business to seek out the great men of God in my generation and pray for them. Billy Graham knew who was great in his generation. Most ministers can't name, you know, you bring up the people. I'd like to see, I'd like to see a study. If I had 10 ministers here right now and I said, who has the largest church auditorium on planet earth? I bet you 10 out of 10 wouldn't get it right. Maybe nine out of 10 would get it wrong and one would get it right. It's one of the only professions I've ever seen where people don't know who the great people are in their, in their, in their business, in what the Lord's called them to do. You talk to people that sell real estate, they know who the top real estate guy is. You know, they have somebody's podcast they listen to that's, that's great at selling real estate on down the line. But man, when it comes to spiritual things, people can be an ignorant bunch. They don't know anybody. They think all the great men of God are dead. They don't realize the people with the biggest churches in church history are pastoring right now. They don't even know their name. No value for mentorship. You not only should know who they are, you should pursue them. Number three, Joshua valued mentorship. Twelve great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Number four, we read this in Numbers 13 and 14. Joshua didn't just make time for God's word. Joshua believed God's word. He didn't just hear that there was a, a land flowing with milk and honey that was prepared for them. He said, if the Lord is with us, he'll give it to us just like he said. That's called the spirit of faith. You can read the Bible every morning faithfully and not believe it. I know somebody like that. Older lady. She never misses her devotions. I can vouch for that. But if you talk to her, you know, the Lord will heal you. Well, I, I believe he can, but she, she doesn't believe it. No, what's the use of reading a book you don't believe? I know the Bible. How many times have you heard in church, I know the Bible says that, but, uh, but what? Why read it? Why build your life on it? Joshua didn't just make time for God's word. Joshua believed God's word. 
12 great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Number five, Joshua didn't just believe God's word. Joshua spoke God's word. Joshua chapter one, God, God made it an instruction. It wasn't something, it's something God requires of us. Let this book of the law never depart from your mouth. Only then will you be successful in everything that you do. So you study it, you believe it, and you speak it. Study it, believe it, and speak it. I know God will make a way where there is no way. I know right now he's making every crooked path straight. I know the blessing of the Lord's on my life. And the blessing of the Lord, according to Proverbs 10.22, makes a man rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. I thank you, Father, that you're opening doors for me that no man can shut. What a difference between the man that says, I can't find a job. And I thank you, Father, that I have a wide open door of opportunity. I thank you for favor with God and man. I thank you that you're opening uh, gainful employment to me so that I can provide for my family like you commanded me to do. You speak God's word. We dealt with that all day yesterday. The death and life are in the power of the tongue. And the life comes when you begin to line your tongue up with what God said. Number five. Joshua spoke God's word. Number six, 12 great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Number six, Joshua was unhindered by popular opinion. Joshua was unmoved by popular opinion. You know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like seven spies thought they couldn't take the land and five thought they could. Ten said they can't, and Joshua and his buddy Caleb were the only two that said they could. And then the whole congregation of people were turned against going into the land by the ten wicked spies. Did Joshua say? What was Joshua's reaction? Did Joshua say, well, you know, I, I, uh, I believe we can take the land, but it's probably not wise right now to speak up. No. He tried to quiet the people. Hey! There are giants in the land, but if God's with us, we can go in right now. He was unmoved by contrary opinion. Well, you know, I believe in prosperity, but, um, you know, we don't say much about it at our church because it's kind of a hot topic here. It's a, it's a little controversial. You're, you're not, you don't have what Joshua had in him. Because Joshua was unmoved by popular, he's, it, and he ended up taking what they said we couldn't take. He didn't just run his mouth. He went and did it to prove it. That same spirit was in David. David was unmoved by his brother. He was unmoved by King Saul. You better get in you what Joshua had in him. I know what God said. I believe what God said. And nobody can tell me differently. Nobody. Well, you're just young though. I don't care that I'm going to be young a young person that possesses what God said I can have. Well, you have to remember, you're older now. I'll be an older person that possesses what God said I can have. Well, you're a single mother. Though. I'll be a single mother that possesses what God said belongs to me. Well, you, you went through a divorce. Then I'll be a, a divorced person who has what God said I can have. Can you say amen? Never allow yourself to be moved by contrary opinion. Let me tell you, when you get on this thing, you make up your mind, I'm going to be healed. I'm going to be blessed. I'm going to live a life of victory. 
The devil, as sure as I'm sitting here in a blue suit, the devil will send people into your path to tell you you can't make it. You're not going to make it. Things aren't going to work out. If you allow them to move you, they will be right. You will never have it. You Remember uh, Isaiah 1? What is it? Isaiah 119? If ye are willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Many people are obedient, but they're not willing to put up with the, the, the ten spies running their mouth, with their older brother Eliab running his mouth, with King Saul running his mouth, like Joseph with his coat of many colors, with his angry brothers that want to kill him for rising up. Joseph shared his destiny with his family, and his family made a plan to kill him. People want you small. People don't ever want you to go in and take Canaan. Don't listen to them. Keep speaking what God said and go where God said you can go. Have what God said you can have. You were born to take the grapes of Canaan. Number seven, 12 great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. That was number six. Joshua was unmoved by popular opinion. Number seven, Joshua 24, 15. Twelve great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Joshua 24, 15. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Not we're going to try to serve the Lord. Not, you know, I'm going I'm to start going to the, to the temple more often. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Number seven, 12 great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Joshua put his home and his family in covenant with God. Well, you know, um, I go to church, but my, my, my wife doesn't um, want to go to church. You know, she said she's not ready to start going back to church. Joshua did not run a family like a TV commercial where the, the husband's the idiot, the father's the idiot, who went over on their data plan for the cell phone? Dad, we're going to take your cell phone. Joshua was the high priest of his home, and he had his home in covenant with God. As for, You people can decide to do whatever you want, Joshua 24, 15. But as for me and my house, we're not going to try to serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Um, they just announced that um, Michael's baseball team their games are all on Sunday and well yeah we're devastated because um, obviously you know we're not going to be able to make a lot of the services during baseball season enjoy your life as for me and my house we will serve the Lord we'll put God first in our family I'm from a family that put God first that taught me to put God first I wasn't allowed to go outside and play with my friends on Sunday afternoon. Sunday, we had to sit home and rest. At seven years old, full of energy. And I'm still full of energy right now, heading up on 40. I had to, I had to sit in my little uh, Oshkosh Bagosh kids' dress pants, my little Oshkosh Bagosh kids' dress sweater, 
and just be quiet and rest on Sunday to keep that day before the Lord. Any conflict between sports and the house of God, there was not even a question. There was no use. You know, I never went to prom. We weren't allowed to listen to worldly music, privately or publicly. Somebody said, did your parents let you go to dances when you went to school? I don't know whether they let me or not. I never asked. It was just known in our house. Whatever the world does, we don't do. And I'll tell you, it served me well. You think I have any regrets that my mom and dad taught me to put God first? You can't put God first and finish last. The, fall, the harder you follow after God, the harder the blessings of God chase after you. Number seven, Joshua put his house and family in covenant with God. My, my motivation for doing these every day is to raise up a new generation of people in America and the nations of the world. A younger generation that bucks the trend of the older generation to be an American first and a Christian second. And instead to be a Christian who lives in America, not an American who goes to church. You can plug in whatever ever nation you're in in the same thing. And I pray you're going to be one of that generation. Let me see an emoji hand if you know that's what God's calling you to. Number eight. Joshua 8.31. Joshua 8.30, a celebration of victory. Then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God of Israel in Mount Ebal. And Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded the children of Israel, as it is written in the book of the law of Moses, an altar of whole stones over which no man hath lift up any iron. And they offered on that altar burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed unto God peace offerings. Number eight, Joshua honored God with sacrifice. I have a part of this book that I wrote on financial overflow the 10 Bible principles that the Lord showed me in his word that unlock unending financial supply from heaven. And in the, in the chapter 6 that I did on giving, I talked about sacrifice. What is an offering of sacrifice? An offering of sacrifice is not simply giving your best. It is giving beyond your best. Abraham is an example of a man who gave beyond his best. Abraham offering Isaac to the Lord as a sacrifice was not his best. His son was beyond his best. Oftentimes, an offering of sacrifice is when God asks you to give everything. In my 20s, I cleared out my bank account two different times and gave everything to the Lord. And if you're sensitive to the voice of the Lord, there will be a time in your Christianity where God will ask you to give an offering of sacrifice. When the Lord lays it on your heart, you won't be able to deny the feeling. God will never ask you to give what you don't have. But many times, God will ask you to give something that you're trying to keep. And that's a sacrifice. Something that you, you kind of have a special place for in your heart. 
the Lord will ask you to lay it on the altar. Notice, Joshua returned from victory, and what was the first thing he did when he, got, when he won a victory? What do you do when you get a promotion at work? Go out and drink yourself drunk? That's not what Joshua did. When Joshua won a victory, he came and offered a sacrifice to the Lord to let God know, I know this was you. I believe most Christians, when they die, will have never one time given something that's truly sacrificial to the Lord. There was a man a few weeks ago that gave my wife his Ford Mustang, an, a, an older Ford Mustang, like a classic that he had tricked out. And you know what he said? He said, my dad and I have worked on this car for 10 years. This car has my heart attached to it, and I felt the Lord speak to me to get that's a That's a sacrifice. And that type of giving unlocks a different level of blessing. When you take what's precious to you, I don't, and I, I'm telling you, maybe I'm being too, too hard, but I don't believe I've hung around Christians my whole life. Christians are $10 givers, $20 givers. You know, maybe if they get really blessed, they'll give 100 But a sacrifice? Father, you know what this amount of money, what I was saving it for, what it means to me, and I give this to you. As a sacrifice. You want to know how you know when you give an offering a sacrifice? You feel it. Man. I give this to you. This, But just so you know, Lord, this one, this one matters to me. Joshua honored God with sacrifice. I'll tell you what, since I pulled this up, everyone who gives today a seed of any size, I'm going to send this book. I don't give this one out much. Financial Overflow, 10 bucks. Bible principles don't lock heaven's unending supply. I've got pictures of our crusades in the back in case you can't read. Not everybody can read, you know. I'll send that to you as a way of saying thank you. For those that give, we just launched television on the entire continent of Africa this week. I'm believing for 72 people that will sow $1,000 to stand with us to reach from Cairo, Egypt to Cape Town, South Africa every uh, five nights a week in prime time. And I'll say thank you ahead of time. Number nine, 12 great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Number nine, Joshua chapter seven. The Bible says that they just beat Jericho and then they lost to this little town called Ai. Even the name was small. And Joshua couldn't figure out, figure out why, they, why they lost the battle. And the Lord said to Joshua, get up off your face. Israel has sinned, and they have also transgressed my covenant, which I commanded them. For they have even taken of the accursed thing, and have also stolen. So Joshua, in verse 16, rose up early. And cleanse the sin out of the camp. Let me read you another scripture. Turn to Joshua 23, 15 and 16. Joshua 23, 15 and 16. Therefore it shall come to pass 
that as all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God has given you. If When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed yourself to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and ye shall perish quickly from off the good land which he has given to you. Number nine, Joshua did not have a light regard for sin. That's what you hear a lot of people that have now, you know. How many of you know, no matter how much we sin, Joshua said, let me tell you something. The same way God blessed you when you obeyed him, God will see to it that you lose everything if you go against his covenant. Joshua took sin seriously. You can never have a light regard for sin and live a life of victory. Twelve great secrets, twelve great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Number ten, Joshua refused to lose his desire for God's best for him and his family. Nobody could talk him out of going into the promised land. I pray today that no one will ever be able to, take, to talk you out of having God's best. Twelve great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Joshua knew those big grapes that grew in Canaan belonged to him. He knew he was born to taste the grapes. I believe somebody wrote a book with that title. Put on the comments, hashtag born to taste the grapes. I was born to go in and get the fruit in Canaan, the land flowing with milk and honey. Hashtag born to taste the grapes. Twelve great victory secrets from the life of Joshua. Number 11, Joshua fought for what, belong, for what God said belongs to him. He did not accept what was. He fought for the promise. Let that fighting spirit that was in Joshua get in you. Fight for your health. Fight for your family. Fight for overflowing provision that God said belongs to you. Resist the devil and make him flee. Resist him like Jesus did by speaking the word that's the opposite of what he's trying to tell you. Fight for what belongs to you. Well, whatever happens, happens. That wasn't Joshua's attitude. Joshua's great victory secret was he knew just because God gave him something doesn't mean it falls into your lap. You have to fight for what belongs to you. Be anointed for battle today in Jesus' name. Number 12, Joshua influenced people to serve the Lord. When Joshua said, as for me and my house, we'll serve the Lord. If you read the next verses 19, uh, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 through 25, 29 through 31, all of the people said, we're going to serve the Lord. And the Bible says, all of the leaders served the Lord through the lifetime of Joshua. He influenced an entire generation to serve the Lord. May that be said of you as well. I will influence my generation to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've never received Jesus Christ, I want to influence you to receive him right now. There's a number at the bottom of the screen. Call that number, and we're waiting to pray with you right now. 412-440-1412. Surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And then I want to challenge everyone who's watching. I'm going to send everyone who sows a seed today my book, Financial Overflow, which is a life changer, and this new publication I wrote, The Coming Second Wave, What Does the Future Hold? What do I believe the rest of this year holds. I'm going to send you both of these 
as a way of saying thank you for standing with us as we preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. If you're on the app, you can give right on the app. There's a Give Now button. If you're on YouTube or Facebook, all the ways to give are at the bottom of the screen there. You can also call 412-446-2332. And I thank you for giving. We'll check the news tonight. My Uncle Ted is in studio tomorrow. I love you. God bless you. Welcome back, Facebook, YouTube, and Periscope. Uh, put the phone number up. I'll take one question before I go out, before I, I uh, move on with my day. Thank you for giving. Thank you, uh, Ms. Katerina. If you have a question, you can call somebody let me let me see if that is a book i think i think uh mike murdoch wrote a book called born to taste the grapes but i, I might be wrong your name and where you're calling evangelist your name and where you're calling from hi my name is dorothy mcqueen i'm calling from Point, michigan right now from michigan yes correct thanks for calling uh thanks for watching too how can i help you Yes, I just was going to tell you that I love your news feeds, um, especially when you talk about the news and you put up some stats, and it just be it be hilarious because it's just really serious time right now, and no one really knows how to look at evangelists and people in ministry as they are down to earth still. So I just want to be honored to be able to be like that. Well, let me tell you. Yeah, thanks for the kind words. Not everybody is kind like you, as you probably know. So I appreciate you. Your kind words and calling up and encouraging hey. me. <laughs> Love you, you so much. You a good time. <laughs> God bless you, sis. Have a great day up in Michigan. Love you. Well, nothing, nothing wrong with that. A little encouragement. Any, anybody else? I'll take one more. Got a little, little time. Four one two two zero six six two seven four. Right now, thank you cards today. Because uh, people that gave large amounts during a pandemic. Very thankful for, for your seeds, just so you know. I don't take them for granted. I pray the Lord richly blesses everyone of you. All right, no calls, no problem. We got a call. Oh, we have a call. Your name and where you're calling from. Sarah, and I am calling from Tampa. Hey, nice to hear from you. How can I help you? I just wanted to give you encouraging words too and tell you how much you have blessed my life and given me a total, totally different perspective as to what it is to live a Christian life. 
I also have a in the near future, and I would love it if you would teach on belief and you know how to determine and how to be able to listen to the spirit and and determine whether it is your internal voice or if it's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Okay, I can help you with that right now. Um, how'd you find me anyway, in the first place? Well, well Pastor Rodney Howard Brown um, got lost. Um, I came looking into this pastor who was brave enough to stay open during the whole pandemic. Mm-hmm. And in the you know, well, the words that you spoke um, just really impacted my life and completely has changed me radically. So. Okay, well, as far as your, your question, and I appreciate the, the encouragement for sure. Um, how do you tell? That's a question we get a lot, and it's, it's worth answering. How can you tell whether it's you, your own mind talking to you or God's spirit talking to you or, or, or you're hearing something in your spirit? Number one, what God, what God tells you will always line up with his word. But, of course, you could feel something that also lines up with God's word. You know, it's God's will for me to prosper, so I could say, I feel I should start a second business. Well, that's not against God's word. So I understand your deeper question. When it comes to like a specific spiritual thing, how do you know? God's spirit, when God's spirit speaks to you, many times it'll be something you would know. Let's put it like this. Everything you feel to do can only have three sources. There's only three voices or powers that are on the earth. The devil then your human power, and then God's power. So if I feel something in my spirit, or I feel something to do, and I'm not sure if it's my spirit or not, or back, back when I, I used to be like that, I would say, like, let's say, for example, I feel, and I'm not doing this like subconsciously to plant it in people's minds to give, but let's take offering time. I feel to give $1,000. Is that the devil telling me to give $1,000 to the work of the Lord? Not likely. Is it me Wanting to give $1,000 to the Lord? No chance. Because your flesh, you know, uh, the devil steals, man hoards, God gives. So the only influence that could be pushing me in that direction would be God's spirit. Because it's not my desire to part with $1,000, you know. And then when it comes to like, <laughs> like uh, you know, over time you start to feel the difference between what comes from your flesh and what comes from your spirit. Uh, okay. The more you do it, the more you, you deal with anything that, that, that pertains to God, you become more skillful with it the more you do it. So your spirit is in your belly. John 7, Jesus said, in that day, rivers of living water will flow out from within. I, had, uh, I dated a few other girls in Bible college before I married Adalis. I was attracted to them. I thought they were nice. But then when I... When I met Adalis, it was different. It, I knew in my gut that that's my wife. You know, it, it's just, it's different. Things that come from the flesh, it's like a lighter influence. When it's the spirit, there's a knowing that's different than the flesh. It's almost like your flesh gives you ideas. Your spirit gives you a knowing. And I would say that, mm-hmm. I, I, I wish I could answer it more concrete than that, but it's like, when your flesh, you, you get ideas in your flesh. Your carnal mind gives you ideas. 
Your spirit gives you a surety. I know when I do that, this is going to happen. Does that make sense? Somewhat. Okay. Then ask a follow-up question and I'll clarify it. I'm sorry? Ask like a follow-up question because you said it makes sense somewhat. Uh, steer me where you need clarification. Um, I just, it, you, well, following up with what you had said um, with giving, I do often feel like I have to give, you know, a certain amount, but then I find myself battling within myself. So it's like, you know, you're trying to clarify whether, oh, is it just an impulsive desire that I'm feeling or is it really coming from the spirit? So it's just with a lot of things, like even, even, um, gosh, I can't think off at the top of my head, but even like me desiring to go do something, like if I pass a homeless person and I'm like, oh, you know, should I give them money or should I not? But then I feel this intense desire to turn around and, and give that person something. That, those, okay. I, I get you now. I would, let me uh, give you this one last thing. It, the Bible says uh, his ways are peace. Perfect peace do I give to those whose hearts are, are, are fixed on me, whose minds are stayed on me. So mm -hmm. when I hear people say, man, the Lord spoke to me to do this and I, I just really need prayer, I wonder if it's the Lord because even if my flesh resists or my mind thinks like, how in the world is that going to happen? Anytime the Lord speaks to me in my spirit about doing something, I have like a total peace about it. it regardless of how um, improbable it looks in the natural that it, it would take place, I just, it's like the easiest thing in the world because I know everything's going to work out. So if it, if it settles you and brings peace and joy, it's the Lord. If it unsettles okay. you, if it unsettles you or you in your spirit, like on the inside of you, you don't have peace, it keeps you up at night. God's word and God's instructions bring peace. So if the Lord gives you some instruction and you're obeying it, now it's one thing if somebody's disobeying the instruction God gave them and it keeps them up at night, like, like Jonah, but if you're obeying it and it makes you uneasy, it probably isn't the Lord. And then the other thing, hey, Teddy, love you too. Um, the other thing, I, I, what was I going to say? Hold on. It'll come back to me. <laughs> oh, the other thing is, oh, it, some uh -huh. things, some things God doesn't, some things God leaves up to you. It's like if I pass a homeless person and I, I just feel to bless them. I don't go in a big deliberation. Is that me or is that God? Because I, it's not wrong. It's, it's a godly thing to do. Now, if I saw a homeless person and felt to give to them and I felt a check in my spirit, don't give to them. Like one time I was in the Philadelphia uh, in Philadelphia, in the Reading Terminal Market. And this lady was talking on her cell phone. And she said, I don't, that was my last $5. And now I don't have enough money for the bus. And I don't, I don't, I won't be able to get home. I got ready to give her money. And I felt the Lord speak to me, don't do it. And I thought, that's odd. And I, <laughs> this is the only time this has ever happened. But I felt the Lord speak to me. She's in rebellion against me. And I'm bringing her mm -hmm. low so that she'll finally listen to me. I'm letting every, everything run out. So if you enable somebody, I'm, I'm trying to get to the position the prodigal son was in, where finally 
when he was in the pig pen, he came to his, to his senses and said, I should come back home. You know, you can interfere with that and start financing somebody in their sin. But that, again, that was the only time that happened. I don't, I'm, I'm just saying, if I get a check when I'm getting ready to help somebody, the Bible says to help the poor. So I don't really need a leading on that. But if the, if, if the Lord tells me not to, then I won't. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. And giving was just one of the examples. It's just everything. I just feel like I'm in my first love right now. And, and you know, what I have been learning from you has inspired me so much that sometimes I feel like God has been leading me uh, towards evangelizing as well. Um, not Maybe not to the extent of how you're doing it, but, you know, we're called to tell the world about you know, Jesus and his word and, and to teach people and to evangelize and, and, you know, uh, have more disciples, you know, create more disciples amongst each other. Um, that's what the church is called to do. But sometimes I feel like I want to give a word to somebody, but again, there's that internal battle of, is it my impulsive feeling because I'm, in my first love, or is it something that the Holy Spirit is really calling me to do? Well, well, remember, the, you know, the Holy Spirit, I won't say uh, there's probably a better way to phrase it than the Holy Spirit is impulsive, but it is. There is, like, like you talked about giving a word, there is a quickening. When the Lord speaks to you, he's, He mm-hmm. speaks to you now. He, told Ab- he didn't tell Abraham, listen, sometime in the next five to seven years, think about leaving your father's family and then go into the land that I'll show you. It, when the Lord's speaks to you do something there's like a quickening that comes on your on your body or your mind or even with a word you know if you sit on a word it the the the, the um quickening that comes with that word to deliver it will go away so that's why sometimes i'll pop on my phone and do a facebook live because if i'm feeling something in my spirit to say if i wait on it if i say well i'll be back home in two weeks and i'll do a studio show on it it may be gone like i have no desire to say that thing anymore so the Holy Spirit right, does I, give you like a quickening to do something now. That's not the internal battle you're talking about. The Bible says the flesh warreth against the spirit. So there is, mm-hmm. uh, all you can do is weaken the voice of your flesh, but it'll always be there saying, well, you know, what are you doing? And do you, do you really think you, you should do that right now? <laughs> but, but uh, you know, I don't, it's not God probably, most likely it's not God trying to, giving you a word and then steering you against delivering the word. I would, I would put it this way. If I have to make my mistake, I would make my mistake delivering the word. I would make my mistake giving. I would make my mistake launching out into evangelism. I'd rather lo- make my mistake going in the direction of, of things that are already in God's word anyway than I would uh, being cautious and missing the things. You know what I mean? That's true and the, and the more you do it the more the more it'll become easier to, to to hear god's voice right right well thank you so much jonathan thanks for spending time great questions have a wonderful day i love you and i love your ministry and i will keep supporting you guys until the lord comes <laughs> well, we love you too have a great day down in florida i'll see you soon bye-bye all right on that note Adios, muchachos. See you tonight on Check the News. Hey, this is Jonathan Shuttlesworth. I want to thank you for listening to my podcast, or if you're listening to my wife's. Thank you on her behalf. 
If you want to be more than just a casual listener and stand with us as we take the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now and be a part of the 1,000 monthly partners that we're believing for. I have a special gift that I'll send to you today, and I'll say thank you in advance. Until next time, thanks for listening. See you later.